0: Gibran, a Lebanese-American artist, poet, and writer who died in 1931, wrote a book many of you know called The Prophet. And among all the passages, what he wrote about sorrow is one of the most loved. And here it is. Your joy is your sorrow unmasked, and the self same well from which your laughter rises, was oftentimes filled with your tears. When you are joyous, look deep into your heart, and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart, and you will see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. Loss is part of life. Sorrow is part of life. To live, to love, to strive is to risk failure and disappointment. It's to risk heartache, sometimes trauma, betrayal, or the diminishments of illness and aging. Loss comes in all shapes and sizes, and so do our sorrows. How many of us put our hearts in a bottle? when we are hurting. I recently received a text from my youngest sister, Karen. She had just gotten word that her husband's favorite uncle was sent home from the doctor's office. They told him there was nothing more they could do for him. And Karen asked in her text, is there ever a point in life that the news of the death of someone you know is not painful? Or should I be blessed that it is painful because otherwise I would just be numb? I think today's story for all ages was a partial answer to Karen's question. To respond to loss by putting our hearts in bottles is at least a short-term way of numbing out. In the long run, putting our heart in a bottle robs us of any chance for vitality and enjoyment of life. So as I said, our theme this month is healing. And I want to offer you some metaphors about healing that have been helpful to me in my life, and I hope that they'll be helpful to you too. People tend to understand loss and healing in their heads at an intellectual level that gives them some distance. But when we suffer a personal blow, all of that head knowledge All the head knowledge in the world doesn't necessarily help us cope with the pain. Healing is more a matter of the heart than it is a matter of the head. Willpower alone simply won't work when we're grieving. Metaphors speak the language of the heart. Many psychologists and others believe that metaphors speak to the unconscious mind to the heart and that they they bypass the critical arguments that our conscious minds make those chatterboxes all that negative self-talk which is a common pattern in our conscious minds so playing with metaphors and using our imaginations can help us heal now understand that healing in the context of this month's theme is not synonymous with cure Rather, healing for our purposes means to regain balance, to regain a sense of peace, a sense of wholeness. Now, when my sister Karen texted me that question, is there ever a point in life that the news of the death of someone you know is not painful? My thoughts went immediately to the night that my father died. Karen was traumatized because dad died on her watch. My siblings and I were going to take turns sitting at night with my dad in a healthcare care facility. And Karen stayed with him that first night. And he died unexpectedly. And I think Karen always felt somehow that maybe dad's death was her fault. But of course it wasn't. But subsequent deaths always seem to... To resurrect that old wound for Karen. Her text message brought a second family image to mind. I remembered a vacation that I took when we, my whole family took when I was about 10 years old. I was so excited because we were going to Assateague Island. And my favorite book then was Misty of Chincoteague and Assateague and Chincoteague. Islands were right next to each other, and that's where all the wild ponies were. And I really hoped to catch a glimpse of a wild pony. Besides being on the lookout for ponies, we spent some time in the ocean. I had never been to the seashore before, and I loved the water. I still do. But I recall the frightening and powerless feeling of being knocked over by a wave, forcefully thrown face down to the sandy bottle, struggling mightily to regain my footing while the undertow pulled against me. I vividly remember this because I thought I was going to die. And I got that same sort of feeling when each of my parents died and when I receive news of a friend's death feels the same way the overpowering waves of emotion take me by surprise like the pounding surf of my childhood vacation and the strength of those waves seems to threaten my very existence I'm afraid I will get dragged under, I'll go down I am afraid I will Be totally overcome by grief. I'll be out of control. I will never be able to regain my balance. I'm guessing from some of the nods, I see that many of you have had a similar experience. A little over a year ago, Sherlock Pope posted a story on Facebook called The Reply of an Old Man asked how to deal with grief." I found his words to be pretty descriptive of my experiences with grief and the grief experiences that others have shared with me. So here's what the old man had to say. As for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage and you hang on for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's another person who's also floating. For a while, all you can do is float, stay alive. The old guy said, in the beginning... The waves are a hundred feet tall and they crash over you without mercy. They come ten seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still a hundred feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash over you and wipe you out. But in between... You can breathe. You can function a little bit better. You never know what's going to trigger grief. It might be a song, a picture, a familiar intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything, and then those waves come crashing. But in between the waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you find that the waves are only 80 feet tall, or maybe 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come further and further apart. And sometimes you can see them coming, an anniversary or Christmas or landing at O'Hare. You can see it coming, for the most part, and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will again come out on the other side, soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of the wreckage, but you'll come out. He ends this way. Take it from an old guy. The waves never stop coming, and somehow you don't really want them to stop altogether, but you learn that you'll survive them, and other waves will come and you'll survive them too. And I would add this to the old guy's message. I'd say that you can do better than just survive the waves. You can also get to the point of thriving, of living fully and loving life. I learned something else about the ocean. If you swim out far enough, You can actually ride the waves, and it feels wonderful. If you don't go too far, your feet touch bottom, and you can bounce back up. You can get your footing in between. So this image of riding the waves is a valuable one. Can you picture it? Instead of being near the shore and getting crashed and drug under, You move out a little and you ride those waves just feel that for a moment how many of you have done that yeah okay that's a helpful image if you're feeling the waves overpower you in your loss just reach out and just imagine that you're riding you're floating on them Here's another metaphor to illustrate the point that you can go from surviving to thriving in the healing process. (coughs) When I was a young adult, my first marriage began to fall apart. I entered counseling and discovered that I had a lot of work to do on myself. (coughs) Have you ever had the experience of thinking you had finally resolved an issue? Let's say perfectionism, for example only to have that same issue show up again to remind you that you still have work to do. That's happened to me, still happens to me. Sometimes I would feel very discouraged. I would think I'm never going to make any progress. But once I heard a woman named Patricia Sun speak in my hometown, and she helped me learn to be a little less hard on myself. She gave me an image I've never forgotten, and one that has been helpful to me countless times in dealing with those issues that keep resurfacing. And I'm going to try to illustrate this. Imagine that I... Do I have my lapel mic on? That I am standing in the middle of a cyclone, okay? The winds are blowing in a funnel all around me, And as the funnel, you know, the shape of the cyclone goes up, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, all right? So here I am, standing in the middle of this cyclone, which is my life. And on the winds, on this cyclone, there are little dots, okay? Each dot represents a loss or a grief, an issue I need to deal with, a disappointment. So down here they're coming around all the time right those dots are just coming around all the time and I'm trying to do so much but guess what every time I focus on one of those dots and do some work to let my heart out of a bottle and see what I need to do to heal from that loss or disappointment that dot moves out here a little further it doesn't come around as much And if I keep working on it, when it comes around, eventually, it's pretty much like healing because it just, um, if I work on it, it, it gets easier every time. It comes around less often, and it leaves more quickly. So... That is an image that has been helpful to me when I am like, oh, I cannot believe I did that again, or I thought I had dealt with this, but no, I didn't. But when I picture that cyclone, then I can say, okay, I'll work on it, I'll work on it. It'll, get, it'll be easier this time, and then it won't come around again as fast. The universe is like that, I think. We keep getting opportunities to resolve issues that need to be resolved. If we refuse to address them, they just keep showing up. They come around again, and we get another chance to heal more completely. My final metaphor on healing today comes from the title of my sermon, Love Meets the Dragon. Tom Owen Toll, Minister Emeritus of the San Diego UU Congregation, was a minister-in-residence at my theological school. Before he published a book called Love Meets the Dragon, he tried it out on my senior class, which was really cool. He led a a seminar about some of the fears and pitfalls of ministry. You probably didn't think there were any, did you? (laughs) It seems there's a dragon involved when one enters ministry, sometimes several dragons. These dragons are actually the parts of ourselves that want to act all fierce and scary in order to protect our most precious and sometimes our most vulnerable treasures, the treasures of confidence and risk-taking, the treasure of being open to new experience, the treasures of vulnerability and self-esteem. Maybe you've met a similar dragon when you've dared to take a risk or try to change something about yourself for the better. Maybe you've met a dragon when you've tried to break an old pattern. So what happens when life throws a challenge at us and rocks our status quo? The dragon comes roaring out of its cave and scares the bejesus out of us because we have no idea how to deal with this new event. Here's the secret though. We have to understand that the dragon just wants to befriend us. And the dragon is speaking the only language it knows how to speak. If we extend our hand and shake hands with the dragon, maybe even give it a hug, the dragon becomes our partner and will escort us into the deepest part of the cave where our treasures lie, and help us to reclaim those treasures and the joy that is stored there, the confidence, the ability to keep trying to live and love more fully, to restore balance in our lives. So whenever you feel fear about experiencing sorrow or about acknowledging failures and disappointments or admitting mistakes, Just recognize that fear as the roar of your dragon. Shake hands with it. Embrace it. Admit it's there with all its scariness. Then let your dragon lead you to a place or a person who can help you heal so that you have a chance to uncover all the treasures your dragon has been protecting for you. When, you, when you're feeling tossed about by ocean waves, caught in the middle of a cyclone, or intimidated by a dragon, dare to take your heart out of a bottle. How's that for a string of metaphors? <laughs> Find someone who can really listen, someone who can really hear what things are like for you. And hopefully, we can do that for each other here and be a community of healing trust that time will heal your hurts. Know that life is precious and good. Know that you will be able to reclaim the joy that resides deep in your being. May it be so.